everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And this is our podcast where we talk about faith, food, marriage, sex, food, Sometimes. more sex, lots of kid talk, sometimes theology, and all the things. Heads up, guys. JR is feeling feisty today. Oh, man, you guys, I've had the worst week. So I sat down yesterday morning to read my Bible. And I opened up my journal, and I was just really burdened by a lot of the things that I learned the night before. Molly and I had a very long conversation regarding some things that she's involved in. And so I sat down and counted out, listed all of the broken, deeply broken, like we're talking really bad broken relationships in my circle that I kind of just found out about within the last week and a half. (laughs) Um, Six or seven of them, I think, were just in the last three days. And I'm just like, okay then. A little bit reeling. And so I had a couple of really difficult conversations with at least one person last night. And Molly and I, just before the show, were talking about how I am not looking forward to seeing other people in the next couple of weeks. And I just, I've dropped the hammer on two people already. And it's like, people are just really, really dumb. I love them, but they're really dumb. And they're weird, they're hard, and they're dumb. Myself included. I'm including myself in all of this conversation. But it's just all come like full tilt all at once. I think some of what we're dealing with is the people are dumb and there's a, a... an appropriate sense of outrage and of anger at the brokenness that they have caused. But then there's others who by virtue of, and it's all a mixed bag, right? By virtue of past trauma they've experienced or possibly mental health issues that they're experiencing or they're in kind of a lose-lose, helpless situation because of a position that somebody else has put them in. Um, right. That they're, <laughs> you know, for me, at least one of these relations, broken relationships that we found out about, I have been a little bit resentful about how this person has been treating us. And not necessarily in a they've been mean to us, but in a, wow, guess we're really not as good of friends with you as we thought because you haven't given us the time of day in ages. And then finding out that they're more or less on the receiving end of some of the brokenness of other people and thinking, you know, when... When we're reeling from something, we can barely keep our heads above the water, let alone be good friends to other people. So I guess it goes to that saying, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. But when you're feeling pressed down by all of the brokenness around you, it's hard to be understanding and kind, and it's hard to even really function because it can be so wearying and so deflating. Even if we ourselves are not directly involved in a lot of this, it affects us in terms of our relationships and our functioning, but it also affects us deeply emotionally. Yes. And I realize we just really jumped straight into the deep end. You know, it's that so it's that it's that today? really hot day and we jump right into the deep end. It's nothing but a shot cold water. I get it. You know, we're moving into 
We're moving into the Easter season. And Molly we are and I. Full, this is Monday, Thursday. Right, we are Monday, like Thursday. We are on full on in the Easter season. season. But Molly made a really good point. Like, I'll, I'll back up. So we're going to have, we're going to join uh, Andrew Peterson's live stream for his uh, Resurrection Letters uh, live performance at the Ryman Auditorium on Monday. And one of the songs, as you've heard on all of the major radio stations, probably Chris, uh, uh, Chris Tomlin's version of Is He Worthy? Um, and one of the lines, Molly, you made this comment. You're like, right before we went to bed the other night, you're like, do we feel the world is broken? We do. We feel it really, really heavily right now. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad conversation to get into, um, but I want to frame... I want to frame the discussion well, because I feel like it's so relevant to all the conversations I've been having in the last few days. There's a lot of issues that we put ourselves into. Like, I, th- I see a lot of these other problems. You mean that, that we insert ourselves that, into? No, that we we make, we dig our own holes. Oh. That's what I'm trying to say. We dig our own holes. And we had an interesting conversation the other night before bed, like just musing on the fact, is it really that helpful for us to 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 come to somebody and say, hey, I'm this issue, this problem is going on. And didn't turn around and say, but don't don't tell anybody though. <laughs> you know, don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, and then from my perspective, I've I'm hearing people talk two or three or four different things about other people, but those people haven't actually talked directly. And so I've started taking. Well, have you gone and sat down? I did this the other night with, with the other day with somebody. I said. Well, have you sat down to talk with them? Have you invited them out for coffee and actually asked if that's really what they believe or that's really their opinion? Mm-hmm. Well, no. Well, then stop wandering around presuming somebody's thoughts and beliefs on something when you don't have any idea. It's causing a bunch of problems for you and you're just stirring up a, a pot of crap, you know, in our local community. I was like, it's not helpful. You're not helping anybody. So get out and do something. I see a little bit of the same thing in terms of. Uh, in terms of like, well, okay, I'm struggling with don't tell anybody. But at the same time, you may know that person or you may want to see something happen there. And it's like, are you doing yourself any favors by saying, don't tell anybody about my problem? Because that problem will end up blowing up generally. I mean, and sometimes problems three, four, do five. require confidentiality. Fair. But it's the, um, David Pallison in Seminary would always rail against the the unspoken prayer requests. <laughs> where it's I have like an unspoken. The, the Lord knows, you know. I mean, the Lord does know, but none speaking, of you guys are close enough to me but, for me to be really so, real with you. So just right. So Ellie Holcomb has this song about come out of the darkness and into the light because there's fear of shame, fear and shame yep. in the darkness, and Satan thrives. In darkness, he, you know, like you said, with the, will you, did you go straight to that person? Anytime there's a shadow or darkness, that's where sin grows. And with the sin, that's where fear and shame grow. Coming out into the marvelous light, perfect love drives out fear. You're perfectly loved by the Savior. And so even if the people around you judge you for that prayer request that you're not able to speak out loud to them, whether it's you or for somebody else, the fact is, by speaking it aloud, you are loosening Satan's power on your heart and that sin's power on your heart because you're losing your fear and shame in bringing it out into the open. I mean, that's that's the whole deal about yep. 
pornography too. It thrives in darkness and it produces massive amounts of shame and fear. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah. Because you're, you know, you just get afraid to do that. You know, I'm thinking, oh, so broken. It is. So, so in my... I just got over. Sorry. I had a moment of being overwhelmed. Whew. In my, in my daily Bible reading, the Bible reading challenge I'm doing, last week we read the book of Job. And it, I guess I haven't read Job in long enough that it struck me very, it, in a very raw way. And you're reading what happens to Job, and you're like, wow, that's, that's brutal. And then you're reading his friends' responses, and they're all so technically pretty much right. Like, you know, you could hear a message like that at any church in America today, and you'd be like, yeah, you know, four and a half out of five stars, sure. And then Job just blasts them, and you could read it as Job's just a bitter, unrepentant man, which is how his friends take his response. And then Job goes into this long soliloquy, and then... This young friend, you know, kind of a Timothy, I would think that, you know, he's like, look, I don't have standing with you guys. I'm not old and wise like you guys, but you guys are a bunch of blasphemous, self-righteous schmucks. (laughs) And he goes on and on. And then God joins in and God chastises all of Job's friends and Job, except for Elihu, the young one. And then Job actually has to, at the end, make sacrifices on his friend's behalf, which shows his he has to have a kind and forgiving disposition towards his friend because God says, if you pray for them, I'll forgive them, which I had never, reading a commentary on it really struck me with that. So they all sinned against God, and God just lays into all of them with all of his famous, were you there when, and, you know, by the way... Ken Ham, Answers in Genesis, believes that things like the Leviathan, and there's a couple of other references to to giant beasts in there, he believes those are references to dinosaurs. Behemoth. Behemoth, Behemoth yes, Leviathan. with its yeah. legs like cedars. Mm-hmm. The way it describes it, it sounds like a brachiosaurus. <clears throat> um, anyway, that aside, which was kind of funny to me as I was reading it, because we read Ken Ham's book on dinosaurs in Genesis last fall, but... Reading Job last week, I just felt very deep affinity with Job, where he's like, okay, I put my hand over my mouth, and I repent in dust and ashes, because all these things that I thought I knew about the world, and this semblance of control and of righteousness that I thought I had, hmm, like just the utter abasement and humility, humiliation, that resulted hopefully in humility, but just the abasement of him and his so-called spiritual knowledge and so-called righteousness, which, you know, God says, like, you are righteous, except you're getting a little presumptuous here. And that's a, that's a mortal sin. There, I mean, all sins are mortal sins, but, right. you know, that's, that's a big one. And so I just, with all of this suffering going on around us, have kind of ended up in a really broken put my hand over my mouth because I don't I don't know and I don't have the power to do anything. And so this 
recognition of my finitude in the context of knowing what's going on in all these people's hearts. And then even since I first processed this last week when I was like, why am I just so depressed finishing Job? So depressed. And I think it was because I was so, it just revealed so much of my heart and my pride and my self-righteousness and my self-reliance and just certainly did not strip it all away, but like scratched the surface of stripping some of it and revealed more of it in my heart than I feel like I am normally aware of. And particularly now I feel like I'm talking, I'm repeating myself, but especially in the context of these broken relationships, the tendency that I have to judge other people because, well, if I were in that situation, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be acting that way. And assuming that I know more about what's going on in people's hearts than than I actually do. So, I don't know. I just... Yeah. Reading Job has been very humbling in the context of all of this other brokenness. Two thoughts for me. The first one is I'm, I'm convicted a little bit differently uh, than you are with all of these relationships. And I think, to some extent, I don't know how much... I just finished reading Job myself in my Bible reading plan. But I've been listening to it on... ESV as I drive back and forth to Red Lodge. So I get, you know, you start hitting go and I've never really, <laughs> it's really a story. We get done with like chapter 39 or whatever in, in Genesis and I'm like, oh, what happens at 40? I got to read 40, <laughs> you know? And it just, I kept reading a whole bunch. And so the next thing you know, I'm, I'm all the way into, you know, May. And so that's kind of fun, but I just finished reading Job as well. And I, to be honest, like I actually felt kind of confused by the whole, like, God's coming down. Like, I'm like, well, that, yeah, he's saying some true stuff. And then God comes into the picture and goes, oh, you guys are all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> you know, I, know like, I had to look up a couple whoa, commentators okay. on it. Like, John Piper has a good article on, yeah. on so, it. Because I was feeling the same, like, well, what, what was wrong with what this friend said? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So, my conviction, though, you know, in a lot of these relationships is, you know, I don't, so if you were to know of an investment and you were to say, ah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that investment. And then six months down the road or a year down the road, that investment blew up and you're like, oh, I regret not. Like Yahoo like, or Bitcoin. In. Yeah. I just regret not jumping into that investment. I feel that same way about these relationships. Mm. Months down the later, they've all blown up and I've known about some of it previously but for whatever reason i haven't want to get involved they've asked me not to get involved or whatever but if they just come clean at the outset or at least been transparent and honest something might have changed mm -hmm. but i for whatever reason decided well okay they you know either they don't want me to or you know i don't you know i'm just i'm not going to get involved so i look kind of like missing out on that good investment i look back and go oh because of my own I don't know, my own laziness, my own not wanting to get in people's messes. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't get involved, and I, this could have turned out a hell of a lot better. But I just see a lot... It could have, but that's assigning a lot of power yes. to yourself. Yes. I mean, yeah, I there, totally... It's, yeah. It go, you know, it's, it's a both and. Like, you have the humility now to say, I didn't know, and in God's sovereignty, <clears throat> I didn't know better then. But... I can start today. You know, I can start today with anything and make it. I can start today with working out and, 
you know, treating my body differently. I can start today with reading my Bible and pursuing a relationship with God. I can start today in these relationships that are broken. Maybe I could have done something, but the past is the past. It's the sunk. No, and I and I fully recognize the fact that that's that's really putting me out there. Like, woo! You guys are just involved me from the beginning. We would have been we would have been fine, you know, because I'm I'm not that great. In fact, I'm I, I would probably have mucked it up even worse. So you know, God's sovereignty is perfect <laughs> in this case that I was never involved in any of these things. But it's just so maddening to sit back and watch people just relationships and everything just spiral when i want to come up on the phone and be like knock it off you're being really stupid right now for a whole lot of reasons let me start here (laughs) (laughs) and that but that's not helpful necessarily no it's not helpful certainly you shouldn't do that in your closest (sighs) relationships with your wife and your kids because that would you guys are perfect yeah right well the kids aren't i had to apologize to elise the other night um I'd apologize to Elise the other night. Well, all the kids actually, because we were driving home from judo, and um, I can't remember the first instigating thing. Uh, I think Elise was really just worked up and whining about something that she didn't need to be worked up and whining about, like just totally freaking out for no reason. And then halfway down through home, all of a sudden, I hear Elizabeth cry out. Why did you do that? That really hurt. And then she starts crying, and I turn off the radio. I'm like, what just happened? And Elise goes, well, then Elizabeth goes, well, she pulled my, twisted my finger, or something like that. And then Elise goes, I was like, Elise, do you have a good reason for that? What's your reason for that, Elise? And she started talking. I'm like, no, there is no good. And then I lectured her, you know, for a good 30 seconds. And then I turned off the radio, and we all just drove in silence. And that's... (laughs) <laughs> so I'm stewing over here because I'm angry at how dumb my kids are. The kids are like, at least Titus, I, I assume all the kids are sitting there going, ooh, dad's really pissed. He turned off the radio and they're all just dead silent looking out the window. And then out of nowhere, Lisa's like, you guys, do you know what mom did? She did X, Y, and Z. All super excited. Oblivious to, the... to any of the tension, yeah. any of the issues. And that's when I when I texted you, I was like, holy cow. You didn't marry your dad. You made your dad. You're raising your dad right now. I love my father-in-law. But like in terms of knowing a vibe in a room, no, not even there. And so and that just made me mad. That just made me even more mad. Like I was just So last night I was when, like oh! last So then I had to go home when, and apologize to all the kids for not keeping my cool. Last night when I was driving the home, she started doing that again. And I was like, "Okay, we're not going to repeat the night before. You're just going to close your mouth and not say anything the whole drive home, okay?" Just, you know, because you're going to, all you're going to do is make things bad. We had a fun evening with friends. She got in the car and immediately started complaining. Yeah. And I was like, just, just don't talk. I will, well, I will had, turn the music up louder and louder so you can't talk. And anyway. Same thing because we got into the car and everybody was really having, had a great time at judo. And then, well, the other thing that made me mad is Lily was like, I was like, Lily, your throws, I was actually, tonight I was really impressed with your throws. She's like, yeah, her coach, Josh, she's like, he called one of my throws beautiful. <laughs> and so then the whole car... Yeah, their kids are jealous. The whole No, the whole car started laughing, oh. except for Titus. He was jealous. And then he got pissed. And so he spent the whole first five minutes of the drive just like scowling and looking out the window. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You ungrateful little... Cretan, you know, and it was just like, 
I'm like, dude. And I tried to like, I was like, look, sometimes you do really well. Sometimes she does really well. Sometimes Everybody, somebody notices. You could have had a great night. And yeah. Noticed. I was like, you need to be really excited about, you know, I was just, I was really angry with, with him too. So it just, but I told the kids, I was like, look, and I wanted, because this is something I've been trying to in, drill into their heads. Um, I, I apologize. I said, because I did not respond well to any of that. And I recognized too, that the older two kids may, so I got home. <laughs> I got home and I had to go get Faith, who was at your mom's house. Who's at Molly's mom's house. And so then I'm, I I didn't want to deal with the kids. I pull up in front of the house. You're you're still gone. And I dropped them off. I was like, you guys go inside, get your teeth brushed. I want everybody in bed when I come back. I'm like, what about snacks? No snacks. Go brush your teeth. <laughs> so they all got out of the car and went in to go brush teeth. And I went and picked up Faith. And as I was driving to pick up Faith, I realized it's like, you know, it's very quite possible, likely, that Titus and Elizabeth are now super angry at their little sister, who's still having, there's still a lot of relational dynamics there between the kids, but they're probably really angry at her for ruining the night. And then it was like, oh, I got to apologize to everybody. One, because she didn't ruin the night. I ruined the night. Like, she, you know, she might have instigated some of that but it was my response and how i handled everything that ruined the night so that i need to take responsibility for that it's not her fault but now i need to point that out to my older two kids <laughs> and i'm just like oh man <laughs> so, so much <laughs> so much humility oh. and the things that our kids struggle with like being jealous of somebody else being complimented that's a lifelong struggle like for sure you see someone with a new car nicer car um, you know, somebody compliments the way they're serving in the church and you've been serving selflessly with no recognition. Yeah. You know, I mean, the back when I was 28, 29 and single Whoa. and reading Carolyn McCauley's book. Man, I haven't thought about this book for a long time. She has a book. <laughs> I well, yeah. Her book was called Did I Kiss Marriage Goodbye? And it was, she was in the Sovereign Grace world when Joshua Harris was in the Sovereign Grace world. And so it was a play on from his I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And she's, you know, writing a book as a grown woman saying, did I kiss marriage goodbye? And she, it was actually, of all the books that people gave me as a late 20s single woman, which it's amazing how many bad books there are out there uh, of advice for single women who don't know if marriage is on the forefront, you know, on the horizon for them. Hers was actually good, and I would commend it to people. Because you were in that camp Even still around. Yeah, I was 28. 28. Um, when we met. Um, but the... But anyway, she has a point where she's like, one of the great opportunities for spiritual growth that you have when you're in this position you know, going to baby showers, going to wedding showers, all the things, is learning to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's easier to weep with those who weep, but it's really hard to rejoice with those who rejoice when they're getting a blessing that you wish you had. Mm. And that that made a big impression on me because it's true, and it's not just true, it's true for our kids 
with their siblings. It's true. You know, anytime one of our kids has a birthday these days, the other kids struggle with massive amounts of jealousy because they're not the center of attention and they're not getting presents. Like you all get exactly one birthday a year. You all, we try to treat you more or less equally on your birthday to the other kids on their birthdays. But even though your birthday's coming in a month, you can't help but be insanely jealous of what your sister's getting on this her birthday because it's her day and she's the one opening presents. And it goes through, I think, through our entire lives. I mean, watching when I was, I think I was in seminary. I don't think I was in college. When I got introduced to the PBS Pride and Prejudice, the one that's like six hours long. And I think I watched it over a Christmas break like three or four times and got convicted at the end where, you know, you just get go so swoony for Mr. Darcy. I don't really like the Kira Knightley one. I don't find Mr. Darcy nearly as swoony as Colin Firth was in that particular Colin Firth makes me show. swoony. Um, but he, but, but the, you know, I think for women, at least then, so that was either the late 90s or the early 2000s. I think women struggle with pornography more today because of the internet availability of it than they did then. But for women, it was more like an emotional pornography of, well, my I wish my husband were more like Mr. Darcy. Mm. You know, and it's not yeah. even reading like trashy romance novels. This is good classic English literature. You know, like this is quality stuff. And you still, you can read Anne of Green Gables and wish that your husband were more like... Gilbert. You can watch Pride and Prejudice and wish that your husband were more like Mr. Darcy. Um, and that that goes into the contentment and the rejoicing with those who rejoice, the heart posture that it's really hard and really frustrating to be trying to integrate into our kids. And it's also kind of depressing to be like, I know you're struggling right now because your friend went home with another friend from church and you were hoping you would get to have a play date with her. And that's, that's a huge bummer for you. You're going to struggle with this your whole life. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, I I don't think they find it quite as depressing as I do to tell them that, but it's true. Like I'm lying in bed, you know, like I'm, you know, and it's, I think there's a gift in being able to, to bring it to their level. You know, your dad and I struggle with, with these things too. And that's how I know that that the gospel and that Christ brings comfort to our our selfishness and our sin and joy to us when even when we're not getting what we want. I know that to be true because I'm living it right now and I usually try to give not dangerous examples, you know, not over revealing adult issues to kids examples. Right. But like your dad and I will see pictures on Facebook of people having dinner with each other. And it makes us sad because we thought we were friends with them, but we haven't hung out with them in a long time. So, yeah, it's very true that, you know, I understand your sadness in wishing that that friend valued you more, but you you get to find your identity in Christ and yeah. your significance, and you get to do the hard thing of working on loving people well, even if they don't love you the way that you would like in return. So, you know, they... But also going back to kind of what's becoming the theme of the show, it's a broken, fallen world. And mm-hmm. you weren't, it's an opportunity to share with the kids, like, the reason you're sad is because you weren't designed to live alone. Mm-hmm. You're designed to live in community. Like, you're supposed to desire those things. Um, in in an unbroken world, right. you will have perfect fellowship with those God puts in your sphere. 
And that's where God comes to restore all that stuff to make all things new. Yep. What's, on your, what's on your sticky note? Oh, I, I had one... I have one other thing that I was going to say that's on the sticky note, but before that, so in the midst of, in the midst of some of this just struggle and depressing stuff, I, I've been like, okay, I can't do my normal like political podcasts right now where they're, they're Christians, but they're like Ali Stucky, but they're talking Mm -hmm. about culture and things like that. And so I've been looking for, so that's why, was it just last week I was talking about Rico Tice's book, Faithful yes. Leaders? Yes, So I posted on our Instagram I stories. It. I linked it in the show notes. The last, last one. So that, it was, the, I had this, like, I need something just purely edifying that that's timeless, timelessly edifying to me. So last week I listened to that. Or over the weekend I listened to, I was actually, I'm not sure why, how I stumbled across this, but Shy Lin is not only a rap artist, he's also apparently a pastor. His being a right, pastor right. is his primary job. And cool. rap music is like a side gig for him, at least now. And so I found a message he was giving on prayer at a nine marks thing. And it's it's been quite a while since then, but I enjoyed it a lot because then you can link this too on YouTube or Apple Music, but if you guys aren't familiar with Shy Lin's short album Jesus Kids he has it's a fantastic rap album where he asks a kid partway through it the first couple questions of the catechism I think it's the children's catechism he's got a fabulous version of the books of the bible although we've been doing the slugs and bugs book of the bible for so much longer that that's the one that we prefer to memorize the books of the Bible, but he's got one and then he's got two songs that one is called Jesus Kid and the chorus is a Jesus Kid, I'm a Jesus Kid, I believe the good news, so I'm a Jesus Kid. And it's talking about how how simple faith in Jesus looks and what how God just by your simple childlike faith uh, saves you and then uses you. Like he sings about the kid who offered the the bread and the fish, and Jesus fed the five thousand. Um, the one of the punchlines is like he fed a whole lot of men with a little boy's lunch. And then there's another one called Only Jesus, where he goes through all of these Old Testament characters, and he the the chorus is Adam wasn't good enough. Noah wasn't good enough. Abram wasn't good enough. It's only Jesus. And he goes through all of these Old Testament characters, which for school, we've been going through reading through the story of the Old Testament the last for this whole year. And so the kids, I think, are identifying more like, oh, Abram wasn't good enough. Isaac wasn't good enough. Uh, Jonah wasn't good enough. We haven't gotten to Jonah yet because we're just getting to the really bad bad kings of Israel and the divided kingdom. But anyway, Only Jesus is a great song. And then he has one on the Lord's Prayer. And I've been contemplating having a kids group grow through that book, What Every Child Needs to Know About Prayer. We read it as a family a couple years ago. I actually thought it was good enough that I felt like I learned and my heart was strengthened in understanding and desiring to pray through that book. So I thought it would be a great one to go through again. So I was looking for, anyway, so Shai Lin has a song on the Lord's Prayer, and 
he sings the Lord's Prayer, but he also explains in rap what the different petitions of the Lord's Prayer mean. And it's a very Christ-edifying, very godly explanation of the Lord's Prayer. Molly's not a hip-hop person, and I love all things beats, hip-hop, techno, drum and bass. I love all the things. Molly listens to this record all the time. I do. I love it. And I can't stop. I can't help but dance to it, too. Uh, So anyway, it it is a fantastic album. I really like it. It's solid theologically, and it's also at a kid's level. So I I listened to a Shailen message to adults on prayer that I thought was pretty good. I also, just this afternoon, clicked over to an Owen Strayan podcast, and he was talking about how to thrive... To survive and thrive in today's culture. And he has like seven points about being Christ-centered and word-saturated and church building, you know, get yourself in a good church and then be a building part of that church and be Christ-proclaiming, don't be apologetic about who Christ is. Anyway, his points are good, but I one of the things that I loved at the very beginning of it was he he says the whole point of survive and thrive is one is defensive and the other is offensive. The surviving is surviving in this culture, and that's kind of a defensive thing. But you also are playing offense because Christ is king. And you it doesn't matter the circumstances in the world around you. You can thrive. Because, you, and you can have joy. You're not just gritting your teeth and burying it. And for me, on the heels of all of this being down for the whole week, having this, he's just straying is just so like, he doesn't, he's never apologetic. He just goes for it. And he's so Christ centered that it was encouraging to me to be reminded that regardless of our circumstances, because of Jesus, we can thrive and we're called to thrive. That's what a robust Christian life looks like. So anyway, um, I just, if you're looking for just purely edifying things and you've already you went exhausted on that, your resources. You went on that little, explain to me briefly, because I've kind of forgotten. And I think it'd be helpful for everybody here to listen to here. But you mentioned spending your time you have a you have a variety of ways you can spend your time and you wanted you wanted to spend your time on something that's actually edifying but i don't remember the context there were some things you were talking about where you could just now no beforehand like you you the emphasis you were trying to you wanted to t- you got upset like me with something and you want to tell that person why don't you spend your time on something that's actually edifying instead of something that's over here I don't remember that conversation. Oh crap! I just, <laughs> man, you were trying to. Team I was building me up, up this really amazing. tee you up, and then shoo whiff. I talk too much. <laughs> I talk without listening to myself way too much. Whiff, <laughs> whiff. Um, if we remember hashtag that, live podcast. Whiff. Right. If we remember it later in the week, we can write it down and bring it up next week. Yeah, I don't. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. You don't remember any else, any other context to the conversation? No, it was uh, you were on it. It was a th- kind of a running theme for about a week and a half or two weeks in your world. Oh, was it was it discipling our kids? I don't remember. Oh, that's why I was trying to tee sure. you up because I don't remember. Oh. Otherwise, I would have said it. Well, I for it sounded sure. awesome. 
you would have sounded so brilliant like your wife. Yes. I you know, why people I mean, to I've show. certainly been on a rampage, not just for weeks, but for months now, about, you know, our, in this surviving and thriving, to use that language I just got from Strayan, like, we need to be rooting our kids deeply in the word. And of all the things that we could be doing with our kids... Rooting them in the word and spending time in family discipleship has become increasingly important to me. And finding them a a like-minded community of kids so they don't feel like weirdos in the world, or at least even if they feel like little weirdos, they've got a couple of other little weirdos supporting them. I mean, because they have two big big weirdos weirdos as their parents. (laughs) I know, but there's something, there's something about having your peers be your fellow weirdos, right? Like we need, we need fellow weirdos who are our age and they need fellow weirdos who are their age. I have been on that, on that topic. And it kind of goes with the whole theme of the show that I'm, I'm noticing, noticing and tracking with. And if you guys are joining us for the first time, we don't plan these shows out at all. Um, typically we've never had it, tonight's or today, whenever you're listening to it is this episode's a bit of a, an anomaly because Molly and I had at least the beginning, we were touching on topics that we, we talked about here, um, the other night, but we typically don't hash anything out. We don't talk about anything. So this is all, this is sometimes the only quality conversation we have fair, during yes. the week. So what I was going to say was I've been, in, I've been enjoying Elise who's been coming downstairs with her Jesus Storybook Bible and asking me to read. Yesterday, I read three stories. She's like, we haven't read anything. And today, she's like, read two stories, because we didn't read yesterday. And I'm like, I think we read yesterday. Do you know why she's so motivated for that? Because when she finishes it, she gets a Hobby Lobby gift card. Cool. <laughs> well, it's it's been encouraging for me in this season. And this is how God works. As you try to minister to others, you yourself are ministered to. Um but it's been encouraging for me because we're reading through all of these, you know, Jesus storybook, you know, Jesus stories. And they're all pointing back to, you know, the theme in every story is this is broken and this is how it's fixed. And so it's that great big overarching story that we all And what Sally Lloyd-Jones so well. and what Sally Lloyd-Jones I actually would argue we don't necessarily know that story. We know Fair. the individual stories well, but what the Jesus storybook Bible does is weaves them together to, as Shylin says, all the little <laughs> stories tell one big story, and they're about his love and they're about his glory. And they're all, and in this particular theme, for me, it's all coming full circle around to restoring the brokenness in the world, which yeah. is so, I mean, that's what we celebrate at Easter, right? Mm-hmm. We celebrate God, God's redemption plan, his fixing of the brokenness of the world this season mm-hmm. through through the greatest form of brokenness you could imagine right. god himself dying and submitting himself to this horrific humiliating finite, for a finite created creature I mean, yeah if anything just purely more out of love humiliating than that i don't know what it is yeah my funny story like i i don't know why but i this EP that I'm working on, EP is like a short five, you know, less than 10 tracks, uh, EDM record I'm working on. I'm actually like, for some reason I called it, and this is just me being weird, but I called one of the tracks just randomly called it salvation. Cause it just kind of had that, it evoked that sort of hopeful emotion in me. 
but I'm actually titling all the uh, um, my plan is to title all the tracks in this the humiliation of Christ and his resurrection the same path that we follow in our Christian walk mm. which is super nerdy of me mm-hmm. but it's like my own little way like if I'm gonna put this out there then I can at least have something that might cause people to stop and ponder for a second mm. <laughs> But it doesn't necessarily, as far as I know right now, it doesn't necessarily tie to the sound of the actual music. Like, is the brokenness going to, is that is that particular track going to be darker or heavier or a little more um, unresolved than the end track? I don't know. Like, I'm still just kind of building them. But that was kind of my thought. I was like, that'd be kind of fun. Just because I can. It's my own little, like, it's my own little slap in the face at the world for a second. You know, because nobody's, you know. It's, but anyway, it is what it is. So, uh, right. Okay. I have two more, two more things to, to say. Brokenness. One, you know, you're talking about listening to the Bible and you're like, oh, I'm going to keep reading. This is a great story. I've been reading children's Homer to our kids. And the first time I think I've, well, not first time the, okay. So I have a classics degree from, from my undergrad and I, and finance. And well, and finance, both of which are kind of funny. And I, she was a valedictorian. I'm woefully unversed in actually enjoying the stories of the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Like, I translated page upon page of them from co- classical Greek into English. Never enjoyed the story. Had to read for freshman English in college. At least the whole Iliad. Never enjoyed the story. Reading it with the kids, I don't know if it's because I'm just that much older and just appreciate the world. I am enjoying it, but what's crazy to me is they're like, read another chapter. We want to know what happens. And I'm like, I. it's crazy to me because I never loved Greek mythology or any mm. like history like that as a kid. And so they're reading the Odyssey now, and I'm summarizing things to make sure they're tracking with the story, which is, it's a hard story to track with in some ways because so many things happen. And also, you know, there's action, and then Odysseus retells a huge part of the story. Like, mm-hmm. the story is told through him telling things that happened to him to people in the moment. Anyway, um, but we... Well, I can't remember what triggered the conversation. I think it was something about they they made a sacrifice to the gods to beg for safe travel... But then, like, Odysseus insulted the Cyclops, whose dad is Poseidon, and so he called on Poseidon to curse Odysseus's voyage. And the kids were like, this whole gods thing just is, ugh. You know, and we had read the book Uriah the Hittite, which is a historical fiction surrounding, around the time, and it touches on... Uh, when Deborah and Barak fought and fought with Sisera and the Canaanites, and I, it had been recommended on a Facebook forum to to supplement the curriculum that I'm using, and uh, so anyway, again, they're like they're they're actually sacrificing characters that you come to know to Moloch, the child mm-hmm. sacrifice thing, and I so I brought in the Moloch and sacrificing to these gods. And just how incredibly uncertain and unsafe their relationship with the gods was. 
and you know Uriah the Hittite actually becomes disgusted with all of the all of the gods you know every city has its own set of gods and they all do these things up to the point of killing their own children for the gods and he comes away and he's like I don't believe in any of them I'm no longer going to sacrifice to them and I'm not going to live in fear of them and because he's just so disgusted with all of it and obviously Odysseus never comes to this point but you just see they're at their whim and you never know if you've sacrificed enough to make them happy and I think the same is true of other gods in our current culture I think of Allah in Islam you never know if Allah is happy with you or if Allah what is the inshallah I think is what they say if God wills it you never I mean we never know what God wills either and this is what I made the point to the kids that the world is deeply unsafe and it genuinely is not a safe place but the only assurance that we have is and then I brought it back to Easter because Jesus died on the cross for our sins the bible says that was a sufficient sacrifice that pleased god and his anger was satisfied and he is pleased with his people now who call on his name through Jesus and everything else that you find out there i mean we in in a museum this silly not silly this adorable little museum that's up by our airport in billings so if you're ever coming through billings it's free it's a great word it's an old cabin that was a historical cabin in billings teddy roosevelt stayed overnight in it like twice and so they have a signed picture of him in there and they just have all these local relics well one of them is a painting of we have these giant sandstone cliffs along the yellowstone river outside of billings and it's called a sacrifice cliff because the Indians, the Native Americans, were stricken with some disease, and a whole bunch of the best braves rode off of the cliffs as a sacrifice to the gods because they thought that that was something that could satisfy their gods and make their people stop dying of these diseases. And <laughs> the first time we went there and saw this painting, and I'm explaining to the kids, and I'm like, you know, we drive past this cliff all the time that's painted in here. And you know, it's it's false gods. And at least he was probably like four at the time was false god is mean. Like false god was the proper <laughs> pronoun. And it, but it's true. It's not that false god is mean because false god doesn't actually exist. But we work so hard to try to control our world because it's such an unsafe world. And the only safety we have and that it reminded me then, but I didn't read it to the kids, but I'm going to try to pull it up right now, is in Rico Tice's book, Faithful Leaders, he, in his little personal catechism, which I think I read to you guys last week, um, but I'm going to try you to did. pull it you up quickly read yeah. and read it again, because he, oh, it's not in his personal catechism. He's talking about he grew up in a performance-based like private school situation and he teaches himself these things first you you're not good enough second you have to prove yourself and third is it's a dangerous world and that third one so he tells himself this when he's struggling like that rico it is a dangerous world well yes but the god who is sovereign over every single aspect of it is your father and he will bring you through it and take you home 
which I, you know, I think that that particularly we still guys, we're still struggling with Lily and sleeping at night in fear. We've, we've maybe turned a corner, but it's because she's sleeping in her sister's room now, which is fine. I'm actually totally fine with that. And also from the, the challenging child book, they talk about teaching kids calming techniques. And one of them is called a butterfly hug. So it's like where you put your arms across, you know, across your body. And then, um, there's this technique that apparently has a lot of actually evidence-based proof that it's effective. It's called tapping. Like if you were just to Google tapping, um, so you tap your back like this and you just focus on that sensation. So I, I have Lily doing her butterfly hug and tapping her back when she's scared. And she told me, she's like, the first time I tried to get it. Next thing you'll be doing is you'll be getting her a safe space with padded walls and teddy bears. No, no, no. But we, we do, we also do a breathing app sometimes because. That really helped Tito. It did really help him. And it's helped Lily too, some. So breathing deep breaths in and out your nose. And there's an app to help you time your breaths. So you're really focused on your breathing. And anyway. You, You guys, it's weird because our moms listen to this show. And neither one of them have talked to us about any of uh, either ourselves or our siblings experiencing the same things. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, know anyway, um, um, do you think do you think uh, a shirt with "False God is Mean" would sell? <laughs> <laughs> False God is Mean. That's funny. That if you is, guys like that, all we can make that shirt. Just send me a note. And for Addie, I'll have JR center it instead of left justifying it this time. Um, one more thing. This was a, I think it was while we were driving up to ski before you wrecked your knee on Saturday skiing. Speaking of being in a broken and fallen world, um, you were broken ra- and fallen body. You were ranting about dad jokes. Yes, I was. And it wasn't necessarily a rant so much as an observation. Do you remember back in the. And I, I've explained this to Molly already, so I'll explain it to you guys. Do you guys remember, you guys meaning all of you really awesome listeners uh, and fans, I love you guys. Uh, do you guys remember back in the 90s when all of the sitcoms had Dumb Dad going on? Always had Dumb Dad. He's always, always the brunt of the jokes. Bumbling Dad, brunt of the jokes, he never knew anything, Mom had to come in and save him and stuff. And there was a lot of cultural critique out there, like, you know, here's... Mainstream culture trying to tear down the family again by making dad look like an idiot. Um, I think I, your parents loved... What's that TV show? Home Improvement. Yeah, Tim because Allen. Tim Allen had some of... A little bit of that, but he worked hard. He loved his right. family. He worked to lead his family. So your parents loved that as the counterpoint. But they always kind of... Yeah, they always kind of portrayed that, you know, as a thing. And yeah, so we were at... Comes. So what prompted some of this is I was at the trampoline park with the girls because my six-year-old... The challenging child decided with one of her other judo classmates that they were going to have a play date on Saturday. Planned it all, didn't tell their parents. Well, they so, told they told their parents. Sorry, they told their parents that they are doing this, and so we just kind of looked at each other and chuckled and made plans and dropped them off. <laughs> oh my goodness, Molly Elise has found her twin friend. It's scary. Okay, so um, anyway, there was a guy there jumping with a t-shirt. His t-shirt said. Uh, dad jokes are how I roll. And it's E-Y-E-R-O-L-L. You know, like I roll, right? Mm. And I'm just like... Uh, I roll. You I rolled. 
You know, and I appreciate the fact, I mean, I find dad jokes really, really funny. Like some of them are just hysterical. But we at the actually same time, follow an Instagram account that is dad jokes. Dad says jokes. I laugh all the time when I read these. So there is a lot of good humor, but the, they're called dad jokes. And it just got me pondering is if this is just another effort of like, okay, these are really bad, really dumb, but really funny jokes. Just like dad. He's really bad, really dumb, but he's really funny at the same time. And we're, we tolerate him because he's amused us. I actually think that the phrase dad joke came because dads tend to crack those jokes. Yes. And dads tend to have that cheesy humor and kids roll their eyes at them. So I don't think it's like this. You don't, monstrous... but you don't, you don't see a derogatory tone or a derogatory nature in all of this. I, I mean, not or am I being too sensitive? I feel like you may be being too sensitive. I'd never thought of it until you brought it up. I feel, especially with that. No, it's not the dad says jokes one. It's the the Instagram account the dad, where this mm-hmm. guy has this whole all of his own branding now and stuff. Yeah. But there, I think there's still baked into that a joy in being a dad and a recognition of particular funny, like one of the the, the dad things is the white sneakers like he kind of like rolls with the joke of dads mowing the lawn and their shorts and their socks they're you know what's that like crew length socks and white sneakers sort of thing you know so so there's more playing on stereotypes but the whole like i'm trying to think of like a classic classic dad joke it's on the tip of my tongue but i'm not i'll think of it at the same time as i think of that other conversation that <laughs> you tried to set me up for a home run on it nobody's nobody sets nobody sets dads up to be cool and admirable they always make fun of them because have they're dads you, have you ever seen the youtube compilations of dad saves no where it, okay so so in my private cane of Ox stuff every now and we'll, we'll share these around because it, people will make these i'll find one for you and you can post it People will make these compilations of just, you know, like dad standing there drinking a beer, talking to other friends. And some kid like is is milliseconds away from literal mortal danger, like um, barreling down the hill in a wagon. And dad just like, well, without spilling his beer, like reaches out and grabs the kid by the back of their collar. And then the wagon like rolls into the off of a cliff or into the road or something. And people make these compilations of these dad has like this sixth sense of when child is in danger and in hilariously effortless ways saves kid from terrible danger legitimately terrible danger and you know not, i mean often like just it's a split second thing and so there it does exist out there but as a general rule i think that you're right that the 90s think how, how fast our culture has changed we've gone from the 90s like men are bumbling and worthless to now like totally emasculated for the most part like what is what is a man even you're a man if you feel like a man but you better not feel like a toxic man i saw a picture i saw a, a picture of a, of a man breastfeeding he'd had gender surgery and he was laying on a bed just smiling and he's like i don't know 300 pounds he's just laying there and this little baby's nursing off his nipple and it's like oh, 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 oh. 
it's just like weird, you know. Now we're, we've come full full circle. Yeah, we're beyond. We're so far past what seemed like a horrible assault on men, <laughs> masculinity, back in the '90s with bumbling dads. But nobody wants to admit that God wired and built the world a certain way. Nobody wants to admit that fact. Okay, I okay. Last thing, and then I have to last go thing, feed and our then you have to go feed because we gotta okay, go judo. Back to Owen Strayan. <laughs> He posted something on Instagram the other day that I was like, I I feel like I need to ask JR what he thinks about that. And now I think I saved it. So I'm going to try to pull it up on my saved bits. And if I can't pull it up on there, I can easily find it on his account. Nope, I saved it. Okay. Things women don't hear enough from men. Number one, long hair is lovely and a sure and distinctive sign of womanhood, not manhood. Two, Gray and white hair isn't ugly, it's elegant, and according to the word of God, it is itself a crown of a wise life. Three, many men find natural femininity appealing, not TV's plastic unnatural hyper-artificiality. Four, it's good to care for yourself and steward your God-given body, but looks are not the sum of your worth. Five, true beauty is spiritual, defined by man, not by God. So he's saying that men... I don't know. I'm I'm assuming men from the pulpit as well as men to wives and just men to the general culture should be saying these things more often. And particularly not the first one, like, is anyone gonna push back on him like long hair is lovely and a distinct sign of womanhood? Uh, of course someone's gonna push back on him. What do, what do you think of what do you think of those? Should men be um, saying those things to women more? I well within context. I don't want to rock up to just some random woman and tell her how beautiful her long hair is. And it's her distinctly hair. a sign. And it's long gray hair. You're distinctly a sign. Some random lady on the street should probably knock me out. Uh, <laughs> um, so within context, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. I don't necessarily. I've never thought about the need for it because I don't feel like it's a need with me because mm. I'm always telling you how you like my super long hair. hot your long hair is, you know, and women are always wondering why their men can turn around first thing in the morning and, you know, try to get some action. You know, it's like, what? ew, but I'm ugly. I haven't done this. I haven't put on makeup yet. Yeah, you have a natural femininity that I love. <laughs> oh, is I that want a piece it? It's only na- that. I want a piece of your natural femininity right now. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I mean, the hair thing, the hair thing feels a little bit, I mean, I, I like Owen. We had him on, I've, I've met him and talked to him a number of times on a personal level. And, you know, we had him on Dead Reckoning several times. He's a great guy. I love how theologically grounded it is. Oh, wait, you've done the nice sandwich. You're going to say something negative about the hair thing? Yeah. Like, well, not negative. Like, I... I'm growing my hair out because I want to, and I can, and it's been like since college. You're going wait. You're growing yeah. your hair long. Yeah, I'm gonna grow it really long. No, I'm you're look, not. I'm gonna look it's, really it's bad. It's not thick enough to grow it. It's long. gonna look. It's gonna look no, like '80s not. '80s scrappy it, Bill Murray. No, that's what I'm going for. I'm gonna sit you and Titus both on stools in the yard and cut both of your hair. No. Okay. We'll wait when we get there. It'll be fun. So, um, you know, I don't. I like long hair, but I, you know, there's. I think it definitely tends to look better on women than men. But it's not a distinctly sign, distinct sign of femininity or masculinity. Well, if you want to say that, then you have to throw out Samson, and you have to take in things like, well, women should be wearing hats in church too. Yeah, which weirdly, there, so, there's actually yeah. I've been noticing on the Instagram accounts I follow, there's kind of a resurgence 
going on of women ha- wearing head coverings in church. I haven't huh. dived. I haven't felt compelled to dive into it in such a way, but they believe that it's a creation order uh, institution <sighs> and not a cultural, culturally conditioned thing this... in the New Testament. This is yeah. way bigger of a conversation than we need to get yeah, into. Yeah, we don't but need to go over into that. Anyway, right if just, you are that opposed to long hair, I'll just take the mohawk back because the girls said they don't like all this hair growing around the rest of my head. They want mm-hmm. my mohawk back. I like the mohawk. I thought it was definitely distinct. It was distinct. Even the top of the mohawk's getting a little thin, though. Truth be told. For sure. For sure. My hair is going super bald. And it's noticeably gray. Where you're growing it in. I, I actually thought about how old I'm probably going to start looking if I let, if I, if you grow your hair, if in. I grow that, yeah. if I do this. You haven't thing. had hair for so long that I, like, I know oh. your beard is gray, but yeah. the rest of it. People be like, you're old. You are old. Um, You guys, I am for Good Friday dinner trying a new pork tenderloin recipe using the two pack of pork tenderloins from Costco. Gonna trigger it. If it turns out good, I will, it turns out well. I will share the recipe, and I made some adorable, from Pinterest, sugar cookie with green frosting on them, and chocolate eggs, little bird's nest things, and I also tried to do these flowers on pretzels, and the white chocolate melties on the pretzels uh, cooled fast enough that I ended up just shoving an M&M into them. I needed to do just a couple at a time. Mm. Uh, But I think I'm going to do another batch of those for our Easter party on Saturday. And I'm just going to do sprinkles on top of the white chocolate. Cool. The white chocolate. Pretzels and chocolate's delicious. Mm -hmm. Guys, if you want to know how to get the recipes that Molly has ended up trying, she generally tries recipes that are already out there, but sometimes it's hard to go and find those. So we will throw them up on our blog. So follow our blog at toobusytoflush.com. And uh, occasionally, very rarely, we might write something there as well. We've had too many messages about all sorts of things via phone call or on Instagram that I, I just I'm not going to get into everybody. But you know, there was Carly and Kim and and Mary Paul who again, was sewing and Mary cushions. Who's sewing. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> Mary, and then uh, there's I know I'm missing a couple more, and I'm Claudia. Sorry. Claudia got back to us. Uh, yeah, so I, I apologize. About Mara, we had a... Was it Mara that... We had another gal. I'm missing some several names. But thank you all for uh, for messaging us. We love hearing from you. So you can you can send us a message on Instagram, Too Busy to Flush, via our website. Just send us a little postcard down at the bottom. Or you can send us an email at tb2f at pm.me. Or you can even send me a text message at 406-318-7136. So, uh, with that, it's been great. Happy Easter. Yeah, happy Easter, guys. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. And, uh, you know, just this is a good, a great time in the midst of whatever brokenness you're experiencing right now to um, remember very viscerally the resurrection of Christ and the whole reason came to restore and repair that brokenness so be encouraged um and have a great weekend and we'll see you guys next week